Well, hello, lovely humans, and welcome to Engage, a wedding planning podcast for the modern day couple. I'm your host, Jamie Wolfer, and I truly believe that wedding planning does not need to be complicated or time consuming. I kind of picture these episodes like jumping on a quick phone call with your wedding planner. You get your answers and you go on your merry way because sometimes not all of us have an hour to dedicate to listening to super long podcasts or super long intros. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. Now, before we jump into today's episode, things are going to be a little bit all over the place, but that's for a good reason. If you didn't know, I actually do live phone calls with the members of the master plan quarterly. That means every three months I'm sitting down for a whole hour answering your questions questions. So if you're struggling and you're going through wedding planning and you're like, I just I just need someone to talk to for like a hot minute, please join the master plan. Join us on our quarterly calls and get your questions answered. And who knows, maybe you could be featured on the podcast too. What is the most common red flag slash problem you see written into vendor contracts? Ooh, <laughs> I don't know of a most common red flag in a contract. It would probably be more like vendor specific. So like for venues, I am always looking for what limitations have they listed in this contract that they may not have spoken out loud to clients. Like I just met with somebody the other day and uh, they're boxed into using the bartending and the alcohol through the venue itself. At the most minimal cost, it's a $3,200 bar. And that's not at all what they were anticipating, but that was kind of hidden in the the messaging of the contract and the proposal. So that's one using preferred vendors or required vendors for a venue. That's another one, especially a required caterer. That one always, I'm like, just let me see your contract before you sign. Please, please. I just want to make sure that you're not going to be locked into catering. That's a hundred dollars per person because you saw the, the, the bottom rate for the venue. And you're like, I could afford that without sussing out the cost of the other vendors included. I can't say I've seen a lot of Red flags are problems with other vendors across the board. It's normally, how does it stray from the norm? So how many hours are they booking? I don't think I have a a solid answer for that for photographers. I just want to see if they're there for six hours, eight hours, if they have a second shooter and how that matches up cost-wise with other people. So to answer your question, you're probably not going to know immediately what normal is for contracts, right? Let's call a spade a spade. You're going to read a contract and be like, that looks great. Thank you so much. But if you don't have other contracts to refer to, you're not going to have a good baseline. So that's why we recommend finding three to five different vendors in these other various categories. So get three photography contracts back. Make sure you have those in hand and also read through them. The most common problem I see with contracts is people not reading them is couples not going through them, is couples not knowing what they're signing. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. Not asking questions. So the contracts themselves don't typically have a bunch of issues. It's just communication or understanding. Um, So make sure you're getting enough contracts to do some compare and contrast, to do some cost comparison, and to compare what's actually in the body of the contract as well. When choosing a day of coordinator, how do I know they are a good fit for us? Are there any red flags I should be aware of? Well, this is like red flag day. Did y'all call each other? I prefer to use active listening. In fact, there's a, this we use this for the mastermind, but there's a sales call that I recorded and we dropped into a podcast where I like to use active listening where I'm like, tell me about your event. Tell me what you're excited about. What are your priorities? What are your goals? And then I will use that language back with them to be like, here's what I heard you say. Here's how we can make that happen. You want to be heard by your coordinator. You don't want to be steamrolled. You don't want someone who's like, I know more than you right? We don't need that for you. You want to be heard and you want to feel like this is special. Even if this is their nine to five, 
this is your wedding day. You still deserve to have a feeling of specialness around this because it's a big deal. Now we do have a video on 10 questions of finding the perfect planner. That should help to narrow down a little bit more specifically. Red flags would be steamroll, not listening, not feeling heard. If you find that they're kind of sputtering in their responses, as I'm sputtering through this call, I'm a professional, it's fine. But if you don't feel confident, and I know I recognize I'm using a lot of feeling language here, right? But like, if you walk away from that and you're like, mm -mm, I, don't, I don't feel like they heard me. I feel like they just waited to talk or I feel like they cut me off a lot or I feel like they just, that doesn't, didn't feel like a conversation that felt like an interrogation or whatever it happens to be. Your gut will be pretty spot on. And I would just say, don't feel like you should ignore that. As long as you're armed with the correct questions, you know what to look for in the perfect planner or the perfect coordinator. And then you're able to do that reflection again that you'll find on those Q&A sheets in the master plan. It, you should be much better equipped to kind of process through that. If you thought for one second that I was going to start a brand new podcast and not bring over Generation Tux to join me, you are sorely mistaken. But you guys, there's a reason that I keep talking about them. There's a reason that I'm so obsessed with them. And one of them is all of the free offerings to you as the wedding couple. Number one, free swatches. If you want to do color comparison or compare it to any dresses or linens or florals, they will send you free swatches. Number two, a free home try-on for the wedding couple with free round-trip shipping. All of that's free. <laughs> Number three, with five paid rentals, the groom gets his suit rental for free. Number four, with seven paid rentals, the groom gets his rental for free and then gets to keep the suit. You guys, if I have not convinced you to check out Generation Tux at this point, I don't I don't know who will. Head on over to wolferandco.com forward slash suits to claim your free prize today. Generation Tux cannot be stopped, y'all. Yet again, they are offering you $20 off of your suit rental using code WOLFERFALL. Now, the offer is good only for the groom or the wedding couple only and cannot be combined with any other offers. But from September 23rd through December 23rd of 2023, use code WOLFERFALL to get $20 off your suit rental. How do you find an affordable photographer without losing quality? How can I negotiate a lower rate? Let's talk about negotiation. I have um, a video on rules for negotiating with vendors. I think it's, there's a respectful way of doing it where you're not asking the person to earn less for the same services. I think that there is a way that, again, I was the client I was talking to most recently, she was like, how do we make the videography affordable? I'm like, well, consider cutting hours. So we're not asking the videographer to earn less per hour. We're asking them to put together a smaller package, a smaller offering. So as far as an affordable photographer without losing quality, those are all pretty ambiguous terms. But what you can do is instead of having an eight hour package or 10 hour package, those I don't understand. <laughs> See if you can get something for six. I wouldn't recommend really going under five for photography. We did that once and it was very, very difficult to try to get all the things done before the photographer left. I wouldn't do that. So finding an affordable one first, go to the correct source. Don't go to Google. Make sure you're not finding someone that's paying to be advertised really high up on the knot or wedding wire. Instead, word of mouth is going to be really powerful. Go through preferred vendors or recommended vendors of the vendors you already have booked because they're probably going to be within the same pricing demographic. And then how do you negotiate a better rate? You just ask them if there's any part of their carefully curated package that they'd be willing to remove to make it a more affordable rate for you. Oh, and you can't negotiate if you don't tell them what your budget is. So if you're like, 
Well, would you be willing to shave off $1,000 because we're cool? Probably not. But if you go to them and say, hey, we've got $2,000 for photography. I noticed that your lowest package you have offered is $2,800. Is there anything that we can remove from that package to make it more financially amenable for where we're at in our budget? A lot of people feel like they're kind of, they don't want to share that. But one of the best things that you can do is be so straightforward and so honest of like, here's our budget. Can you make that work? No? Okay. Glad I didn't waste my time. Glad I didn't waste your time. Let's move on. Godspeed. See you never. Great. Start with a clean foundation. Here's our budget. Is there anything that we could remove or change or shift in your package to make that work? And make sure you're looking in the right resources or right areas. We sometimes get a lot of feedback about the wedding tax. <laughs> and uh, of course, I've got feelings about it. I've got lots of feelings about it. But if you don't, you just don't go to the Mercedes-Benz dealer and expect Toyota prices. You don't go look at a brand new car and expect to pay a used car price. Uh, those are really big generalities. I'm aware and I'm over-exaggerating for the sake of this conversation, sure. But if you only have enough money for a 1990 Camry, which is a great car, by the way, that thing will last forever, don't go to the Mercedes dealership and try to haggle them down low enough. Let's be practical. Let's go to the right resources and then let's get a killer car or killer photographer. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic, but we have to make sure that we're looking the right places first. We're starting off on the right foot by sharing our budget and that we're letting them know, hey, we really like you. We're kind of obsessed with your work. Here's our budget. Can you make that work? And that's how you negotiate. If you are, you're kind of negotiating at a disadvantage if you don't start off with some of those parameters. Would you recommend using a day of coordinator associated with the venue versus choosing an independent coordinator? Pros of familiarity with events at that space. I very rarely work the same space twice. I think there, I can think of two venues that I've worked at more than once. I see that as a benefit because I am always on my feet. I am always going to be looking for things. I'm always going to find where the breaker box is. I'm always going to find someone that, you know, all of this information, I am learning brand new every single time. So it's fresh in my brain. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it falls out of someone's brain because they've worked there a couple of times. I just don't see that as the straw that tips the scale. No, that's not the reference. <clears throat> you know the thing. So if you're picking one that's associated with the venue versus an independent coordinator, I don't think experience there should be the deciding factor at all. Uh, otherwise, I would not have a job. And we're really good at thinking on our feet and discovering new venues and figuring out how all of it works. My question would be, to return your question, would be, what do you mean by day of coordinator associated with the venue? Is that a venue coordinator that they're calling a day of coordinator? Who's paying that paycheck? Is it because they're on their preferred list? Because being on a preferred list is great. It saves you the trouble maybe of going around and finding somebody. Or is it that, well, they're really more of a venue coordinator and the venue pays for them. But if you found someone independent, you would pay for them. It all depends on where their paycheck is coming from. There's a whole video that I did also on um, venue coordinators versus wedding coordinators. And it's sometimes, not sometimes, it grinds my gears when venues are like, oh yeah, we have a day of coordinator. It's such a disservice to their employees because they don't offer the same services and we place unfair expectations on them. So what does that, dif that difference look like? Is this person just on their preferred list or recommended list or is it their day of coordinator through the venue those are two different things are you feeling lost or overwhelmed with wedding planning why does this also sound like an infomercial <laughs> take a deep breath you are in the right place i've put together this amazing if i do say so myself wedding planning checklist that tells you all the things that you need to be doing and when you need to be doing them a step-by-step -step path just for you 
You can grab your step-by-step wedding planning checklist now at weddingchecklist.co. That's weddingchecklist.co. What is the best way to explore different vendor options without feeling like you are wasting the time of the vendors you don't end up choosing? Oh, okay. You are not wasting time. You are not wasting anybody's time. If anything, you are helping the vendor flex their sales muscle, right? Or this is something they do all the time anyways. We get inquiries all the time that don't turn into bookings and that's okay. And that's a part of what we do. It's all good. So don't feel like you're wasting anyone's time. You are educating yourself. You are making excellent strides to try and make sure that you are making educated decisions for your wedding day, that you're price comparing, you're finding the best fit for you. So as far as that feeling, that feeling of being a burden or wasting time, the best thing I can, well, I don't know how to help you not feel that way other than say, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't feel that way because you're not wasting time. One, we're used to it. Two, you got to do it, right? And three, you're helping them flex their sales muscle. And if they didn't do a good enough sales call, you can feel the freedom to let them know why you didn't end up booking them or why you went with somebody else. You can do a follow-up. I mean, I wouldn't give them like a review of the sales call. (laughs) That came out sounding a little bit harsh. Maybe don't do that. But you can in turn say, hey, we ended up going with another package or another person. Thank you so much for your time. A lot of vendors really appreciate that. So it's just like, I'm honoring you as a person. I'm honoring your business. We're just not going to go with you. If you are struggling with wedding planning and you have questions and you just need someone to listen and to chat with, come join us in the Master Plan community over at themasterplanweb.com. I would love to have you in there. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, subscribe, jump on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can let the podcast people know that Jamie knows what she's talking about sometimes. (laughs) And until next time, bye guys.